So when they were handing out last names, right, these two guys were gifted, okay? <laughs> Vereldis? There's a silent Z in there, man. Crazy. Password strength, strong. And Zinsmeister? That's got to get you a free drink somewhere in Germany. So let's make it easy and introduce to you, the Arizona Sports Saturday audience, your hosts, Mitch and Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And a happy Saturday to all of you out there listening. This is Arizona Sports Saturday. It's your weekend stop for live and local sports talk. You've heard the big voice enough now. It's our turn. Mitch Vareldis, Zach Larson doing the dirty work and filling in for Steve Zinsmeister today. Trevor Henry behind the glass. And look, I'm going to start the show off with this anyway. Today's a big day for the Zinsmeister household and the Henry household. And for many other households that we know out there. Number two, Ohio State hosting number three, Michigan, is a very important day, I imagine, in the Trevor Henry household. Is it not, Trevor Henry? It's almost like a holiday. A holiday? After the holiday itself? After the holiday itself, that's right. <laughs> that's on my bucket list to actually go to one of those games. You've never been to the big house? Never been to the, when I, when, not when they played Ohio State. Okay, okay. so you've been to the big house before, at least, then. Yeah, uh, correct. Okay, that's on my college bucket list, along with the shoe. I don't know how you feel about the shoe. No, I don't want to go. Uh, I don't want to go to a stadium that looks like a toilet seat. <laughs> but the bummer about today, as you can tell, Trevor is a huge Michigan fan, and the rest of his family is big Michigan's fans. Steve's a big Ohio State fan, and I know he himself is bummed. He's not feeling too well. We hope he gets better. But this would have been a fun day trying to remain the traffic cop between Steve's Ohio State Buckeyes and Trevor's Michigan Wolverines. Now you got the floor all to yourself, Trev. You 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 lucked out today. Yeah, it's, it's a, unfortunately he won't be a little bit sicker after today. <laughs> oh, <laughs> trash talk coming in spicy from Trevor Henry. I love that. I love to see that. So we'll give you updates here and there on that. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it's ten uh, three in favor of the Buckeyes right now. Uh, Michigan about to go out with the ball. But Zach, also thank you so much for filling in. I know you and I we've been super duper busy the last couple of days, last couple of weeks. So I really appreciate you taking the time today. Yeah, all the college football. Ball talk, especially after yesterday, I'm uh, not 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 enjoying. Oh, so. right, yeah, that's right. Our college football team. <laughs> well, we'll get into it. <laughs> it later, didn't, it didn't do so hot. We'll get into it later. Why don't we start with something fun? Bain gets it to Craig. Craig has it knocked down. Loose ball picked up by Bridges in the lane. Fourteen footer. Yes, indeed. Swish. That's a dub. That's a victory for the Phoenix Suns. Again, they defeat Detroit, Detroit Pistons yesterday. It was 108-102. So off the offset, you look at the score and you're like, 108-102. That's a lot closer than it should have been for a team that had only won five games this season in the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, last in the Eastern Conference, too. And it was, I think the Pistons were up by one point. At they led at halftime, yeah. So it, it was just, it was kind of a, eh, I don't know how I feel about this game. But then again, the Suns are 9-1 and now, 10-1 and at home. They have been a dominant home team. And they did, took care of business. They did what they are supposed to do. They're supposed to beat the teams that are at the bottom half of each conference. 
They took care of business. DeAndre Ayton stepped up. Cameron. Oh, he was great yesterday. Both of them. They both are continuing to just play out of their minds, especially with the absence of Chris Paul and Cameron Johnson. It's just been a fun team to watch, especially at the Footprint Center. Yeah, I, we'll start with the positives because there were there were some negatives. Uh, you mentioned we mentioned already them being down at halftime. That was kind of weird, but. You hit on both of the positives that I was going to start with, and that was DeAndre Ayton and campaign. For Ayton, it was his first 2010 of the season. 28 points, 10 or 12 rebounds, excuse me. He even threw in an assist in a couple of blocks. It was, it was the night that I had been clamoring for from Ayton all season long, ever since this contract extension. I, I, maybe you feel differently, but... When I've watched Aiton's performances to start the season, I hadn't really gotten that, oh yeah, I feel really good about the contract he just got. I feel like he's a key contributor to this offense. I feel like he's a key contributor down low, protects the paint. He's a great two-way guy. This was the night where I finally got that feeling out of DeAndre. I still feel like there's more to be improved, especially in the rebounding game. Yeah. Obviously, the 28 points, that's a positive start. He needs to continue that offensive production, especially with Mikel Bridges pretty much being the second offensive scorer on this team. But yeah, again, we ha- we've seen him have a couple tr- or double-doubles, about four out of the last five games he's had at least 10 rebounds or 10 points. But just being the number, the former number one overall pick and a guy getting a max contract, he really does need to take it to the next level. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not saying he needs to go away from his career average of about 18 points and 11 rebounds. I, I, I don't want him to go up to 24 points and 15 rebounds, but he just needs to keep making a jump because he's been consistent, and that's exactly what the Suns need at that five spot. But yeah. he just hasn't played up to the hype that he got so far so early in his career and I, I think tonight or last night was a great example of him finally playing back up to that max contract and proving why he's kind of worth that money this was very promising for a second reason too DeAndre Ayton was the team's leading scorer last night on a night where it, it was real it was a really weird night for Devin Booker eight of 17 that's not too terrible it's not great though he was two of seven from three and then he was three of seven from the free throw line. Yeah. It was a very, very weird shooting night for Book. Not just for Book, but for everybody. So to be able to have that 11 of 13 and 28 points from Aiton, that made a massive difference. And I'm sure that he understands that, but he can't sacrifice that scoring ability when Booker gets back into a rhythm or McHale gets into a rhythm or even when Chris Paul comes back and he ends up being the leading scorer too. Yeah, I I mean, and I think that's what we saw a lot in the playoffs too. It was DeAndre Ayton was really playing well in certain, in some of the games, especially against the Pelicans. But even back to 2021, when they needed to score points, Ayton just was not the offensive priority. And Unfortunately, that got him cold, and when he was asked to make a shot or two, he just couldn't hit them. So if Aiton can continue to have the mentality of, I can be the number one scorer on this team along with Booker, then I think he can continue that production. And again, Book's not going to have a great night every night. He's not going to put up 30 points every night. But if he has Aiton just supplying him with 25 points at least not necessarily a night, but has a 25 performance every other night. I think this offense can continue to grow even without Chris Paul. So Aiton was great. Campaign was also really great. 
he also had a double-double. He had 16 points and 10 assists. And thinking back, because I was at the game last night, and it didn't feel like he had 10 assists, but you look at the box score, and then you start thinking about how he played coming out of the half, and particularly in the first few minutes of that third quarter. He was really good at distributing the ball last night. He was able to find almost every opportunity and then make his own opportunities in that starting point guard spot. And that's something that we had been clamoring for all offseason when campaign basically disappeared in the postseason. Now here he is. He stepped up into this number one spot with Chris Paul down. And he's absolutely made the most of it. Yeah, he has stepped up big time. Uh, Chris Paul, I was reading this, in his seven starts, he had nine points per game and about ten assists per game. Cameron Payne has been averaging 18.5 points per game in the ten starts along with seven assists. So the offensive production is actually slightly better with Cameron Payne at that starting position. Now, obviously, (laughs) I'm not going to start the, oh, which one do you start over? But I think Cameron Payne can become that sixth man on this bench once Chris Paul is healthy enough to get back on the floor because you're going to want CP3 in those clutch fourth quarter situations when it's a close game. But if Cameron Payne can come off the bench, supply you with about 12 points and a couple assists, I mean, you have a solid backup guard behind Chris Paul to give him rest as well throughout the season and make sure you have enough energy going into the postseason. Cameron Payne, again, I'm glad he's stepping up after I'm sure he heard all the criticism from last season from how he took a step back from 2021. He he really has just impressed not only the media, but the Suns fan base, and I think they're happy to see how he's done so far in 2022. And I'm trying to look at these games, and I'm trying to pick out... So they lost to Orlando, they lost to Miami, and they lost to Utah. But they won the rest of them. So they're not only... He's not only providing a necessary spark when he's starting, they're also winning a majority of these eight games that they've played so far with him as the starter. It's... It's beneficial. It's very beneficial when you have a guy that, and we got to give some credit to James Jones too. He could have gone out there, gotten aggressive, and tried to get one of these, you know, struggling point guards in a different situation, or one of these big free agents that was on the market. Like he, he could have gone out and gotten a Zach Levine. He could have gone out and this is way too much of a Kevin stretch. But he could have tra- he could have traded for KD. He could have traded for Russell Westbrook even. But oh, he didn't. Boy. I know. Yeah. I know. It was a bad example. I, but he didn't. And he believed in campaign, and now campaign is making the most of it. Looking at the rest of the box, Mikhail Bridges had 15, Devin Booker at 21, we mentioned that. We got to hit on one negative aspect of last night, and that was the gentlemen, not all of them individually, but all of them as a group. Josh Okogie, Bismack Biombo, Dwayne Washington Jr., and Damian Lee, not the greatest night from the bench unit at all last night. No. And I, I mean... Damian Lee leading the way with nine points. Obviously, he's going to be your three-point shooter. He's going to have to just come up big with some big-time shots in big-time moments. But yeah, you just you got to trust that. I mean, we can, we asked we talked about it before. Jock Lendale is not even anywhere near this box score. He hasn't been for the previous two games. Could be matchup-wise, could be a coach's decision. We don't know necessarily at the moment, but no. 
it, it's certain players, like Jock Landell has been stepping up to the plate. Damian Lee, he's been hitting down shots. Obviously, every game you can't expect your bench to come through and put up a big scoring output like they have earlier in this season. But it is a big reason why this score is six points rather than the traditional 20 points we've been seeing at home over these previous couple of home games for the Phoenix Suns. So I wouldn't be too concerned about how they played last night. I think they can step it up even tonight against the Utah Jazz, but it's just something to to criticize here after just, again, a, a six-point win over the bottom team in the Eastern Conference. And that Jazz team. The Jazz team has been quite the surprise to start the year in a positive way, at least in their regards. Coming up next, Arizona Cardinals. They have their final game before their bye week, and they're going to get a much-needed boost. We'll tell you what it is next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Well, he got so no miss. feel good. Um, yeah. That was Kyler Murray and a little bit of ESPN.com for some reason. Mitch Veraldis, Zach Larson filling in for Steve Zinsmeister today here on Arizona Sports Saturday. I'll just play it again because I played it out of context. Kyler Murray, do you feel like you'll be out there on Sunday? I do. I do. I feel good. Um, yeah. Now, understand, that was from his Wednesday presser. But then Cliff, I saw yesterday, had said that he looks good and he's good to go. He's also off the injury report for what it's worth. So Kyler Murray's back. Hur- yeah. hur- hooray, right? That, that, that's yeah. the question. Hooray. <laughs> what was your immediate reaction? How about that? We'll My, start there. Hearing that Kyler would be okay to play, I, I thought, okay, there's a chance that this could be the difference maker in the season. But then I thought about the first eight or nine games, and I just said, I, you know what? I don't think so. I think uh, so. You're down on this. I am down on this. Okay, because I think also, and to go on what I took away from Hard Knocks a couple days ago, it just seems like over the past two episodes, the respect that the players have for Colt McCoy is not equal to what Kyler has, and I don't know if that's necessarily an experience thing for a guy like Colt McCoy because he's starting. Everyone just knows he is going to get the jo- or he's going to try to get the job done and do his best because he doesn't have many opportunities, or if it's because Kyler is just so. I, w- I want to say he's quick to blame others, but when asked about kind of questions or about why he didn't perform as well or why there was stuff going wrong, like high snaps and miscommunication. He doesn't ever just come out and say, oh, it's all on me. It's it's He just says it's a team thing. And I think some of the players in that locker room kind of don't like that. So if you have him back, yes, he's going to be a big, fresh, fresh breath of air. He brings something to the offense. He's highly talented. He creates challenges for the defense. Exactly. Nevertheless. But... With a team that has so much going wrong with the culture of it, I don't know if necessarily he being the starting quarterback is the best thing culturally for this team. Well, okay. I can agree with you in that regard. Do I think that that should just automatically exclude him from playing in a game if he's fully healthy to go? No, not necessarily. And this has nothing to do with his contract. This has to do with the fact that he's... Far more agile, far more creative, 
far he has far more abilities that are required in today's game than that of Colt McCoy. Yes. That is not saying that Colt McCoy is bad. Colt McCoy did great against the Rams. He had a few good drives against the Niners, and then everything just unraveled from there. But Colt McCoy is not the forever answer. Correct. He created a little bit of controversy, and then we realized that the Rams are probably as dysfunctional or more so dysfunctional than the Cardinals. Yeah, hallelujah there. (laughs) Who could have seen that coming, right? So, yes, this is a much-needed boost. This is a necessary boost. And there's another factor that plays into this, too. It's not just Kyler. Hollywood Brown is likely to return off of the IR as well for tomorrow's game. And that... Okay, quick sidetrack, because this is just another frustration. Greg Dortch might not play. Yes, And he already was filling in for Rondale Moore. So it's like, okay, awesome. You have DeAndre Hopkins, you have Marquise Brown, you have Rondale Moore, and you have A.J. Green. None of them have played on the field together at the same time. None of them. And here we are. It's like, oh, yes, we finally got Hollywood Brown back from injured reserve. Nope. Rondale Moore is not going to play. Yeah. It's just come on. You can't you can't expect a team that has injuries galore and also down without their number one receiver for the first six games. You just can't expect them to be as good as they potentially can be. This team is so talented and they should have a positive record right now. They should be over 500. They could. Yeah. Unfortunately, again, it's the NFL. You can't control injuries. You can't control how the season goes. And so far, they just haven't played up to the competition that is better than them. They've played they've played get great against some of the teams that are below them. They've beaten the Panthers, Rams, Saints, Raiders. They're all in the bottom parts of their divisions. But when it comes to playing against the big boys like the 49ers, who are definitely emerging as Super Bowl contenders, you have to play your best football. And the Cardinals just have been unable to do it all season long due to injuries, due to mistakes on the offensive line, as well as Kyler. Also and just Cole. poor play. Exactly. They so played well for most of the season. So, it, yeah, it's, it's just it hasn't been a pretty season. Kyler coming back. Yeah, he'll have Marquise Brown and Hopkins, but you don't have Zach Ertz. You don't have Rondell Moore. You don't have Greg Dorch. It's like anytime someone comes back, there's a new injury there's a new there's something else exactly right? so it, it's just it's not going to be a hundred percent for the rest of the season i think we need to just accept that so they're going to just have to play what what they have and see where they can go from there and look not to discount what rondell moore brings for this offense because it's very clear that he is not he works a lot better when you throw the ball to him in open space i can tell you that much but you and i both knew that i think a lot of people were very curious about this marquise brown and DeAndre Hopkins combo more than any other setup of wide receivers or any other formation of wide receivers on this football team. When the trade initially went down, it was prior to us knowing that DeAndre Hopkins was going to be suspended six games. And we're thinking, oh, this could be cool. Another deep threat for Kyler coming off of an 11 win season, the downfall at the end of the season kind of highlighted most of it though maybe this is a guy that they can add to this team that actually creates multiple threats for DeAndre Hopkins is suspended for six games so now we're at a point where they're both on the field at the same time because remember Marquise Brown got hurt the week right before 
DeAndre Hopkins was going to come back on that yep. Thursday night. So now here we are. We finally get to see one at the X and one at the Y. And both of them are going to create havoc for these cornerbacks and this defensive backfield of the Chargers that has been absolutely beat up this year. I'm very curious who's going to get targeted more. I think that's where I begin. I mean, yeah, I think because you go back to, okay, Kyler's grown a lot of chemistry with Hopkins, but then you go back to the college days with Kyler and Hollywood. I think, honestly, both these receivers are going to open up even more opportunities for a guy like A.J. Green. For a guy like Trey McBride, I think you're obviously going to have Hopkins and Hollywood targeted at least seven times out of, you know, 70 percent of what Kyler throws. Uh-huh. But I think what we talked about before going into the season with a guy like Hollywood Brown and Hopkins, they're going to open up opportunities for each other. But this entire offense should continue to grow. And again, if Rondell Moore was healthy in this game, I think he would be the one that has the monster game just because I don't think the Chargers or any defense would know how to game plan against two wide receiver one level Receivers, And that's kind of what we were hoping last year when Hopkins went down, was that maybe Christian Kirk or A.J. Green would step up to that mark, but they didn't. Now you have Hollywood Brown. You have two great wide receivers. So let's see if maybe this can open up the offense a little bit more. If they look completely different, then you have to credit Hollywood Brown coming to this team as a reason why this offense could continue to grow if they can decide to keep him later on after the season. Will it also result in more deep ball pass or deep ball throws? Will it result in more of those 20 plus yard completions, but not 20 plus yards in the sense of it was a five yard pass with like 30 yards after the catch. Are we going to see some deep threat passes and some deep threat looks from Kyler Murray in this offense? Now that you've got not one, but two Really solid dudes who have shown the ability to catch in traffic and can outrun their opponent. Really quickly, just looking at the injury report because that is going to be a big feature of tomorrow's game. Five Cardinals have already been ruled out. Safety Charles Washington, cornerback Byron Murphy for another consecutive game. Wide receiver Rondell Moore, as we mentioned, is out. DJ Humphreys is out. Left tackle. Again, he's out. So once again, the offensive line is not going to be at full strength. Of course, you've already lost Justin Pugh for the year. Rodney Hudson has been on injured reserve. Zach Ertz is also listed as out, but Cliff had mentioned earlier that he's likely to get a, be put on season-ending injured reserve. And then, as we also mentioned, Greg Dortch, he's questionable. If thumb injury, he did not practice all week, so that'll be very interesting to see how that one turns out. Just looking really quickly at the Chargers, uh, cornerback Michael Davis is questionable. Nasir Adderley, a safety, is doubtful, so he's probably not going to play. And then a big one for the Chargers, again, no Mike Williams, the wide receiver. He's did not practice all week. He's going to be out with an ankle injury. Um, whether that ends up being a benefit for the Cardinals' defense, defensive secondary, I don't know. But uh, Mike Williams creates a lot of havoc for uh, opposing defenses. Coming up next, a little birdie says, we might know who ASU's new head coach is. Are we buying in? That's next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch Barraldis, Steve Zinsmeister, Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. As the Wildcats have ended the five-year losing streak to Arizona State and beating ASU in football for the first time in over 2,100 days. As the U of A wins it by the score of 38-35, 
that was a bummer yesterday. The final call, courtesy of Tim Healy and the rest of the Sun Devil Radio Network crew. Sun Devils lose 38-35. The cup goes back to Tucson. Mitch Vareldis, Zach Larson in today for Steve Zinsmeister, Trevor Henry behind the glass, who is feeling a little bit better now that his Michigan Wolverines have tied it up at 10. In the big in uh, the shoe, excuse me, ten ten. The score between number three Michigan and number two Ohio State. That one going to be a big one, shaking up the top twenty five. I'm sure when that gets announced next. But our focus is on the local college football team who lost yesterday. But that's not necessarily the news of the day. I'm going to really quick pull up a tweet from former ASU wide receiver Jalen Strong. As many of you remember from the jail, Mary, he seems to be in pretty good. He seems to be in tune with what's going on at the university. Wouldn't you say Zach? Yes, he's I would say he's become the flex from Jersey for the Sun Devils. Oh, I like that comparison. OK, from Jalen Strong, ASU has their new HC period only up from here. Hands together emoji. And yeah. So you're thinking, oh, OK, well, then who'd they pick? Well, if you want a hint, or perhaps a hint, there was one reply that Jalen Strong did retweet, and that was a GIF of... Do you remember those uh, those Bud Light commercials? I sure the do. The celebratory ones where they kept saying, Dilly Dilly. Dilly Dilly. For those that don't get the reference, Dilly Dilly would be a close reference to... Kenny Dillingham, who's the Oregon OC, he's from the area, he's a younger coaching option for the Sun Devils, and so now the assumption is that they're going to hire Kenny Dillingham. Yeah, and... Yay! Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I I think it would be a good move. I, you mentioned former Arizona guy, went to Chaparral High School up in Scottsdale. He has completely turned around Oregon's offense and the way how, being the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, Bo Nix did not impress me much at Auburn, but the way how he has played at almost a Heisman level at the University of Oregon is yeah. just phenomenal. They are pretty much within the mix of the top 10 teams in all of college football. I, I think it would be a great move to go after a guy like De- Dillingham, who has had experience at other schools like Florida State and Auburn. So I, I think it would be a good hire. Maybe not the best for building a, a like franchise kind of football program, but it would be a move in the right direction for ASU, I think. If it, the rumors and reports are true about ASU closing in with Kenny Dillingham. So he's not that unfamiliar with, I believe, this current brass either. I, I can't recall if you mentioned this, and I apologize if you did. He was an offensive assistant with Todd Graham's crew here at ASU. But then, he, after Graham was fired, he hopped on Mike Norvell's train when he went to Memphis. And then, ironically, because you mentioned Bo Nix... Or I guess coincidentally, I don't know, whatever. He joined Gus Malzahn's staff at Auburn, who at the time had Bo Nix as their quarterback. And now Dillingham, who went to Oregon and I'm sure was probably a big factor in Bo Nix going that way. Look at what they've done together, right? They're 9-2 this season, looking for a win against Oregon State to go 10-2 and try and get the Pac-12 title. I think this would be a fantastic pickup. Like, I don't... Look, in general, I don't know what people are would be upset about with this hire. 
I don't know what the problem is. Do you see a problem here? I mean, I think going into the Territorial Cup, a lot of people were really rooting for Sean Aguano. And yeah. I think ASU should do whatever they can to either keep him on the coaching staff or find a lower-level Division three, Division two college football team that he can go and really give him like the best referral possible. Because after the Territorial Cup, I don't think a lot of people are a big fan of Sean Aguano. I think when you finish with the worst modern-day record in ASU football history, not a lot of people are going to like you. So if they can get Aguano to a good spot, I think that opens up a great opportunity, again, for Dillingham. I think, like Jalen Strong said in his tweet, it's only up for from here. Like, you really cannot go lower than what this team did in 2022. True. So. Here's what I want to know from you, though. Do you fully blame Aguano for this season being as bad as it's been? I don't. Absolutely not. Okay. You, you can't. You, obviously, Aguano couldn't do much stepping in for Herm Edwards. I, I mean, he had a, a big top 25 upset in his first career win as a college coach. Also took down Colorado. That's not saying a lot. But, but it matters. It's, it's because if you win. don't take down Colorado, then it looks a lot worse, yeah, you're, right? Exactly. You're 2-10. Two, you're two so... I, I think Aguano did the best he could. And I I th- really do believe he is a good coach. I just don't think he is ready at the moment to take over a program like ASU that is so historically known for having at least a decent college football team, at least a team that wins four games and doesn't go below that, and you have a 3-9 and nine team, and a loss in a Territorial Cup the first in five years, I think you kind of do have to say, all right, we need to to give the keys to somebody else. Here. I think that's where, too, most of the sting is coming from, or even if you want to call it the stink, is that ASU lost the Cup. Yep. They've had that for five years. It's been domination over U of A for the last five years, and one of them being an absolute blowout victory that eventually led to Kevin Sumlin, the prior head coach, getting fired. Right. You think about yesterday and look, it was the expectation for U of A to win. Right. At least from the expert level. And they did. And they were supposed to. But ASU did not back down by any means necessary. They gave it their all. Those guys showed what they were made of in that contest. But it was very clear that in that moment, U of A had the better program. Well, and I I mean, you can say that, but. ASU had every opportunity to win that game. I mean, especially late in that game. And I think the play calling when they were inside the 10-yard line and they're trying to throw the ball mm-hmm. and Borgay gets sacked and loses the football. It's a momentum killer. It kills that. And then on the final drive, Borgay has a chance to drive the team down the field and he throws an interception. I mean, obviously, Trent Borgay had a great game. Aside from the interceptions, he really did play lights out. But for for U of A to just win by three, I think that that's the thing. We're going to hear about it from Wildcats fans. Oh, we finally won, you know, and all this stuff. But and like they deserve their flowers for a day. Exactly. Whatever. But, you know, it took an NCAA investigation. It took Herm Edwards being fired. It took their starting quarterback, Jaden Daniels, getting transferred away. It took a backup quarterback in Borgay to step up. I mean, there's just so many factors in 
to the argument for Wildcats fans. Again, they, they won. Credit to them. But at the same time, I think ASU fans are more upset because they know the Sun Devils could have won that game and they just couldn't execute when it mattered. You, you mentioned Jaden Daniels, and really quickly, I'm going to throw it out there that Michigan is back on the board again. Oh a, my. a deep touchdown pass to uh, Trav, help me out, Cornelius Johnson, right? That's the second one. The second one. All right, I can hear him listening to the game in the background of his Can't microphone. Can't blame him. No, I don't blame him either. So 16-13, extra point incoming now, 17-13. Michigan ahead of Ohio State right now in the second quarter. They've got about five and a half to go. But I bring this up because you mentioned Jaden. Daniels. Yeah. He's piloting the number five team in the country at LSU. Chip Trainum has been a big factor for Ohio State this season as a linebacker. But guess what? He's playing a pretty darn good running back today. Down their best running back are the Buckeyes. Like, that's the other frustration that I have is they had a good team. Oh, yeah. Ricky and they watched Pearsall everybody go away. Yesterday. Ricky Pearsall and Johnny Wilson for Florida. Exactly. Like, oh, my God. It, it, it's no, it's so frustrating because yes, this investigation, all the recruiting violations, it's ruined the program, and that is the source of why this team did not play well this season. At the same time, you still have to play with pride. You still have to play and represent your school well. And unfortunately, with a bunch of tra- transfers, with perhaps maybe one of the top five running backs in all of college football, and Xavier Valaday. They still had a chance to be a good competitive team. They just couldn't come through and win any games this season. And unfortunately, that's why we're now looking for our next new head coach, thinking about the future of the quarterback position, looking to- ahead to recruiting and stuff. So it's just a dark time right now for ASU football and for its fans. It's a dark time right now. Did we did we mention the worst uh, modern football record in ASU history? I think so. At three and nine? Three and nine. A twenty-five percent winning percentage. Yep, that's that's about as low as it can get. Understandably, with the factors, but look, when I look back on it, the Herm Edwards era was successful as heck in recruiting. It failed in development. That's my opinion. It was successful in bringing in some of the most talented players who. I mean, as we're seeing across the college football landscape, are making big impacts for big programs. Yep. Or even at the NFL level, guys like Brandon Ayuk, you know, Benjamin, those guys are contributing to NFL teams at a high level right now. But the development was very clearly not there. Yep. And that's probably what I'm going to take away most from that regime. And I hope that this new regime is able to meld the two together. They're able to recruit very, very well. Or if they recruit as best as they can, they can develop the crud out of those kids and get the absolute most out of them nine times out of nine. That's all I can ask for. Yeah. Any any closing thoughts on uh, the season? I just... Let's uh, hope this basketball team continues to play as well as they, <laughs> they are. Look good. I have enjoyed it. If so. not for a loss to Texas Southern, they might be a top 25 team right now. Very well. They could be in the top 25 after this week. They might be. Coming up next, we go around the NFL. We'll catch you up on what happened on Thursday, and we'll look ahead to tomorrow, but with a twist. That's next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Mitch and Steve go around the NFL on Arizona Sports Saturday. You hear the music, you know what that means. Mitch Farrell, this is Zach Larson filling in for Steve today. It's time that we take a look around the NFL, get you ready for the weekend, catch you up on what you missed real quickly. 
Thursday, Thanksgiving. What a slate this was, by the way. Just throwing it out there. The middle game, it got a little out of hand in the second half, but it still ended. All three of the games, very entertaining. Bills 28-25 over the Lions. Cowboys 28-20 over the Giants. And then the Vikings. Kirk Cousins in prime time. 33-26 over the Patriots on Thursday. So it was a pretty good uh, opening taster for the NFL week. A good appetizer, yes. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Why would I say taster? <laughs> All right, so if you're familiar with the show, then you know how this works. If you're not familiar, we're not going to just pick them. We're not going to just tell you who's going to win, who's 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 their score going to be. We're not, we, aren't, we don't do any of that. I, today, am going to tell you why you should be intrigued or watch this game. And then Zach's got a fantasy breakout player for you to watch in each game. Are you ready, Zach? I am ready. All right, we're going to start in Cleveland. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the Cleveland Browns. Why should you watch this game? First and foremost, I'm just keeping my eyes on Tom Brady. Can he, you know, look like Tom Brady? Or are they going to continue to falter in ways that we have never really seen Tom Brady falter before? That's reason number one. Reason number two. This could be the final game of Jacoby Brissett's Cleveland Browns starting quarterback career. Deshaun Watson is set to come back next week. So is Jacoby going to go all out or is Jacoby going to flame out before he can rise up in ashes? Zach, who are you watching in this one? Well, you mentioned Tom Brady. Maybe giving him a little bit of break could be Rashad White, the former Sun Devil. Okay. There is no Leonard Fournette in this game, and the Browns give up the second most points to running backs. So I definitely think Rashad White should be a big pickup, and he could have a big, massive game against Cleveland. Look at you getting a staff. I know. We're ready. All right, this should be interesting. This is a rematch of the one versus five game in last year's playoffs. The Tennessee Titans hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. And I mean, there's your big storyline right there. This was a massive upset victory for the Bengals in Nissan Stadium in Nashville about, what was it, six, eight months ago? Not that long ago. So I'm sure a lot of Titans fans are feeling burnt. A lot of Titans fans are feeling angry. They want to see their team get the success. I'll throw this out out there too. In games that Ryan Tannehill has started this year, after the first two, they've gone on a seven-game winning streak. Yeah. So they went 0-2 to start the year, and in games that Tannehill has started, they've gone 7-0 and since. That's pretty remarkable. He's him. Uh, I'm going to go with... <laughs> I'm going to go with wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals, T. Higgins, as Ooh. your fantasy player here. Okay. Jamar Chase, potentially returning from his injury. I don't think they're going to give him a complete workload, so Higgins is still going to be that favorite target. And again, Tennessee, third most points given up to wide receivers. I like... T. Higgins against that Tennessee defense. Okay, that's a good pick. Sticking in the morning slate. The Houston Texans going down to Miami to take on the Dolphins. And look... It's going to be tough to watch this Houston Texans team, but boy, oh boy, is this Miami Dolphins team fun to watch. The offense just moves in ways that we have not seen in a long, long time, and especially in this year's NFL, where defenses have been playing a lot more cover two and high shell coverage, so there's not a lot of deep passing, but Miami's offense has made the most of it every step of the way. Plus, this this Tyreek Hill-Jalen Waddle combo, like, could they both 
get to 1,500 receiving yards this year, it'll be very interesting watch. I'm going to go with I, I, I went between these two running backs because okay. for Miami, uh, Jeff Wilson and Raheem Oster, I'm going to go with Jeff Wilson because you he's should. going to get the start. The Texans, they're bad. I'm sorry. to <laughs> sugarcoat it. But the Dolphins are going to win this game. They're going to get a big lead and eventually that's going to require them to run the ball, run out some clock. I think Jeff Wilson has been effective since he's been traded to Miami. I think he is the guy you should go for on your fantasy lineup. You want me to defend your case? Go ahead. Raheem Mostert is doubtful. Oh, no. So, all right, yeah. <laughs> Mostert yeah, might not even okay. play. So Jeff Wilson is the pick, and it was a good one either way. Here's where picks are going to get tricky. Chicago Bears and the road, on the road, I should say, not and the road, against the New York Jets. Obviously, the big storyline is Justin Fields. Is he going to play? He makes a massive difference for this Bears offense, which, oh, by the way, have not won any of these games where he's looked as amazing as he has. They haven't won since the New England Monday night game, which speaks volumes. So I can't imagine that this team is going to be much better if Justin Fields can't play. He's their biggest piece. But the reason you should watch this is to figure out whether or not Mike White is going to be the solution to the Jets' woes. Can he be the one that helps get this offense going now that Zach Wilson's on the bench? And I'm going to go ahead no, and say not. the Chicago defense is oh, who you should okay. play because Mike White... I thought you were going to say Mike White. <laughs> he, uh, I mean, I know he was magical last season when he started against the Cincinnati Bengals and got that win for the Jets, but I just think New York is uh, in a little bit of a rut right now. They haven't scored 20 points, 20 plus points over the past four games, and I think that if you go with Chicago's defense, they haven't been tremendous. I think they'll still go ahead and get you a solid six to nine points and fill that defense spot. This next one's pretty weird, to say the least. Atlanta Falcons are on the road against the Washington Commanders. And why it's interesting is because the Falcons, for a very brief period of time, were the team atop the NFC South. And the Commanders, for the longest time, were the uh, the little stepchild of the NFC East. And now the Commanders are 6-5. and five. They've won four straight with Taylor Heineke, who is now remaining as their starting QB, has made their offense look a lot better. Not that the passing game is amazing or anything, but he's made them look a lot better. But Atlanta is tricky. They do a lot of weird things with their offense, and their defense can clutch up late if they need them to. So I think this is just going to be a good overall football game from start to finish. I'm expecting it to be very high-scoring and competitive. Uh, You could go with Marcus Mariota if you really need a quarterback that also can get your rushing yards, but I'm going to go with Terry McLaurin. Heineke's number one target since he took yes, over he starting. Is. He is the clear-cut receiver, and I just I don't think anybody else can really compete on the field with the numbers that McLaurin can put up. I think that high point output is definitely something you should look for in fantasy. Alright, if you want quarterback mess galore between two teams, you've got it right here in Carolina this weekend. Denver Broncos goes against the Carolina Panthers in what is affectionately called by many a tank bowl, even though the Broncos don't have their first round pick. I'm not bitter or anything, but this is an this is absolutely a game you should not watch. But if you're mildly intrigued, Sam Darnold is making his first start this season. He's on the final year of his deal. This is also the third quarterback to start for Carolina this season. Can he be the one that actually makes them look like a competitive or a coherent offense? 
I don't know. But this is not a game you should watch. I'm going to tell you that right now. No, I'm, I'm agreeing there. And that's why I was debating between both defenses. But I'm going to go with Denver because Sam Darnold is a turnover machine. Again, I feel bad not giving a player here. But you just can't Get the defense, then. I, I'm going to go with Denver defense. I think they have been playing. They've been the underrated part of that Broncos team just because of how bad the they offense has the been. They have the best scoring defense in the NFL. Yeah. And the worst scoring offense in the NFL. A recipe for nothing. A recipe for nothing. That's what it is. It's it's like that Chargers team that was the best offense and the best defense and didn't make the playoffs because they had the worst special teams. All right, I'm getting sidetracked. Finishing up the morning slate, Baltimore Ravens going on the road to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars. Are the Ravens legit? More so, is Lamar Jackson legit? Didn't sign that contract this offseason. He's heading into free agency at the end of this year, and he's not really had that awesome, oh my goodness, Lamar Jackson cannot be touched game for a couple of weeks now, especially against the Carolina defense the week prior. Can he bounce back against a much weaker Jacksonville defense, but with some, prize, with some surprising Jacksonville defensive pieces? It is to be seen. Yeah, and I'm going to look over on the Jacksonville side. Christian Kurt wide receiver. What a great addition he's been. Absolutely. He kind of has been playing, not maybe up to the 84 million, but he's been playing well. (laughs) Three touchdowns in his last two games. Two touchdowns against the Kansas City Chiefs. Definitely becoming a favorite target of Trevor Lawrence. Going into the afternoon slate, we'll start with the home team, the Arizona Cardinals, hosting the LA Chargers. Obviously, you want to watch this one because Kyler Murray is back. Is Kyler Murray healthy? Does Kyler Murray fix the offensive woes now that he gets another opportunity? And who's the more dysfunctional team right now? I'm actually asking that. The Chargers at 5-5 five and five were darlings this offseason, and they've lost both of their games to the Chiefs in a division that just seems like, oh, it's going to be the Chiefs again. Ho-hum. Kansas City Chiefs. So who is the le- who is the lesser of the dysfunctional duo this Sunday at State Farm Stadium? Well, I'm going to go with James Conner as your fantasy player just because of the touchdowns he scored in the previous two games but also because the Chargers' run defense is probably the root problem of why the Chargers are so dysfunctional. Like you said, they've given up the 29th most yards per game, and they just have not been a good run defense, even since before Justin Herbert during the Phil Rivers years. So I'd go with James Conner on your team. We've got a few more here. We're going to try and breeze through these. Las Vegas Raiders on the road against the Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks with a tough loss in Germany before they headed into the bye. So are they starting to turn into pumpkins? Are they still a legit contender? Are they going to compete in the NFC West? I'm very intrigued to see how they do against what has been a very, very weird season for the Las Vegas Raiders. Going with Tyler Lockett for the Seahawks. A touchdown in his last three games. And again, the Raiders just not great with the pass defense. Expect Geno Smith to have some big passes to Tyler Lockett. I'm sure plenty of people thought this would have been a Super Bowl matchup this year. The L.A. Rams on the road against the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, one of them looks like a Super Bowl contender, and it's not the reigning Super Bowl champs, but it is still Patrick Mahomes doing Patrick Mahomes things. That's why you watch the Chiefs. And you have Isaiah Pacheco, the rookie running back for the Chiefs. I like this kid. I'm expecting him to have a big role in this offense, especially with Clyde Edwards-Alaire going down with injuries. So Pacheco, go with him as your running back. Another crucial divisional opponent game. The San Francisco 49ers are back home after their Mexico City victory. They host the New Orleans Saints. 
I'm in love with this Garoppolo-led San Francisco offense, or more so this Kyle Shanahan offense. I'm more so intrigued as to figure out whether or not Christian McCaffrey is going to be a leading rusher, because <laughs> he hasn't been one since Elijah Mitchell has returned from injury, and he hasn't been one since he's been the team's number one running back after getting traded over. Yeah, and obviously a lot of offensive weapons, but the number one target for Jimmy Garoppolo in the passing game, surprisingly, say it, say it. has been Brandon Ayuk. Forks up, baby! I'm going Let's with go! Ayuk, especially after his two-touchdown performance against the Cardinals. Expect him to continue being a number one target. Sunday night cap. This could have been a very interesting matchup given the way the Eagles have played this year, but it's less interesting given the way the Packers have played this year. Green Bay on the road in Philly. I quite frankly just think Philly's going to take their lunch money, but that's probably because this Philly offense looks fun to watch when it's in rhythm. It, however, has not been in rhythm since they A, lost to the Commanders, and B, barely squeaked it out against the Colts last week. So I'm curious, is this offense going to bounce back against what has been a very confusingly bad Packers defense? Going with Christian Watson, wide receiver for the Packers. He's been playing well over the past couple of games. Five touchdowns in two weeks. Yeah, exactly. You might need to pick him up. He might be that number one target for Rodgers now, who just hasn't had that clear-cut choice all season long. And then is this a tank bowl as well? Monday yes, night sir. in Indianapolis. Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Indianapolis Colts. So Jeff Saturday's the new head coach there. We all thought that was weird. It was even weirder when he brought back Matt Ryan out of early semi-retirement. But then Matt Ryan looked good. But then last week he looked okay. And then when they needed him to be good, he wasn't. Although... I'm more looking at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's got some exciting young weapons. They've gotten the most out of Najee Harris the past two weeks. George Pickens looks awesome. Kenny Pickett clearly loves George Pickens. I'm keeping my eyes on the Steelers more so in this one. Yeah, well, I'm going to just give my do not use Deontay Johnson. I have learned from him. (laughs) He is the worst wide receiver you could have on fantasy. If you go with anybody else, Pickens, I like Pittman as well for the Colts. You're going to be fine. Just don't go with Deontay Johnson. That was your trip around the NFL. When we come back, we take it back to the local team. Check in with our Cardinals inside man, Tyler Drake. He's next on Arizona Sports Saturday.